Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello, and welcome to episode 63 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. Well, Twitter has been dominating the social media headlines this month, not least because it's going to be taken over by the richest man in the world. Twitter is a powerful PR war room platform and crises are won and lost there. In today's show, I'm exploring the role of Twitter for your PR strategy. And as a former journalist, this is a specialist topic for me. Coming up in the show, let's talk about the Twitter takeover by Elon Musk. What is Twitter influence? How can Twitter support your PR efforts? And I speak to Inspector Antoinette Cunningham, General Secretary of the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors, about the role of Twitter in her position as head of a representative organization. In today's column, I want to dedicate some time to the great Twitter takeover as I'm describing it. And yes, Elon Musk has put in a bid to take over Twitter. Obviously, it'll have to go through the necessary business procedures and it might take six to 12 months. But let me just pick up my phone and of course, open up Twitter and go to Elon's uh, Twitter account. And his pinned tweet says, because he had a very controversial tweet saying that, you know, he wanted Twitter to be a platform for free speech. But many of us know that Twitter can be a place for free speech that goes beyond, you know, good digital etiquette and even going as far as breaking laws. So seemingly he may have come under pressure by uh, the Twitter atty and then he came back with a tweet that he has pinned to his profile. So let me just address it. And to quote Elon Musk, he says, by free speech, I simply mean that which matches the law. I am against censorship that goes far beyond the law. If people want less free speech, they will ask government to pass laws to that effect. Therefore, going beyond the law is contrary to the will of the people. So this is a man that is being very explicit with his opinions on Twitter, and he has for some time. And he is going to control one of the most powerful social networks in the world. And I would argue the one of the most influential Twitter or social networks in the world, because I always say Twitter is a place where you influence the influencers. Now, what's my opinion on Elon Musk taking over Twitter? Well, I think it will be interesting for a start. And so I'm curious as to what he's going to do. Um, I'm also curious about how it's going to impact um, digital diplomacy. I'm also curious as to what it's going to do in terms of managing moderation and abuse on the platform. Will he try and make inroads where his predecessors has failed? It also seems that um, he may be a hands-on owner. Will he appoint himself CEO and will he be responsible for day-to-day -day operations? I mean, this guy owns Tesla and Starlink, so he's got uh, other business operations to be keeping an eye on. But he seems to be very interested in Twitter and down to, you know, should it have a, an edit button? Um, 
I was having this conversation with Andy Lambert from Adobe this week and we were discussing it on the social media news show and we were talking about um, the rise of hate speech and disinformation on Twitter and that being one of its key problems and how difficult it is to actually get uh, fake accounts, catfished accounts and trolls actually banned from the platform. And so I was kind of thinking that maybe in the absence of the social networks taking responsibility for those issues, we might see governments legislating to try and deal with them. In Ireland, we have a Digital Criminal Act coming up and that will see, um, you know, offences uh, for and charges being put against people who, who break laws and who step over the digital line. And I think that is necessary because with these platforms, as I said in our last episode, there comes a real responsibility. So, yeah, I'm curious as to what Elon Musk will do with Twitter. Um, I don't think Twitter is going anywhere soon. Um, and he seems to have lots of opinions. So if you're not following Elon Musk on Twitter and you are as curious as me, why don't you go and follow him? His Twitter is actually his name, at Elon Musk. Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code SOCIALMEDIA20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. In today's consulting segment, I'm going to touch on two topics. First of all, what is Twitter influence? And then secondly, how can Twitter support your PR efforts? Let's start with trying to unpack what Twitter influence is. Now, I've been using Twitter since 2011, I'm going to guess, and I've got almost 16,000 followers. But, you know, that's built it up organically over time and, of course, chiming into trending conversations and pushing out tweets almost daily. But Twitter influence is something that is really powerful. And here's a couple of ways in which I will determine whether somebody has Twitter influence or not. And the first thing is, again, leaning into that PR angle. If you are tweeting on a particular topic, whether you're starting a conversation or joining a conversation in replies, and if that is picked up by a journalist and mainstream media, then that is definitely a signal of Twitter influence. The other signal is engagement rate. So right now, individuals can expect to get engagement rates of less than half a percent on Twitter. But if you are consistently commanding engagement rates of two or three percent and growing your following exponentially month on month, that is a real signal for Twitter influence. Another signal is being added to Twitter lists and people having you tagged as a keyword when they're engaging in social listening because influencers are on Twitter and they are dominating or indeed shaping the narrative when it comes to particular discussions. And so if third parties are, you know, have notifications on for your Twitter account or adding you to lists, so they're actively listening to your tweets, um, then that's another signal for influence. And then finally, I would say if your conversations and tweets are starting a ripple effect and are leading to some dramatic change, whether it's advocating uh, for a charity or a community organization, or in the case of our, our next guest, uh, a policing representative association, and that starts a trickle effect 
getting onto mainstream media, influencing policymakers, politicians, and, and other stakeholders, then that is a real signal for influence. Let's go on then to how Twitter can support your PR efforts. Well, all of the above in terms of Twitter uh, influence, but what I would say is that it should be part of your media and your PR tactics. It is a, a PR and a media tool. 98% of Ireland's journalists are there. They are breaking stories, they're finding their sources, they're DMing sources, and they are engaged in active social listening around public sentiment and what different uh, players in a particular story are saying. And so Twitter should be embedded into your press and media team's uh, PR strategy because it's all about influence. The media are there, the stakeholders are there, the public are there. Um, and so if you don't have a robust Twitter strategy to date to complement and support your PR, then you definitely should think about it. In today's episode, I want to introduce you to our brand new knowledge product, and it's called Social Media Done For You. Think of it as like social media in a box. All the tools, strategies, and policies that you would need to implement great social media within your government or public sector agency. We've just released it on our website, publicsectormarketingpros.com, and you have lifetime access. And this includes any updates that I make to the resources. So what can you expect? Well, you have a template social media strategy, you have a range of social media policies, you have a 365-day inspiration calendar for social media, you also have checklists when it comes to hashtags, social and live video, auditing of your social platforms, and you also have template graphic designs that we have created in Canva, and all of these come with tutorial videos. So if you want our social media done for you product, go ahead, check it out on our website. And really, the price is amazing. A one-stop shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our membership academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. So to discuss the role of Twitter in your PR strategy, I'm now joined by Inspector Antoinette Cunningham. She is General Secretary of the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors. Uh, in 2018, Antoinette made policing history by becoming its first full-time official female in a Garda representative association. Can I start that again? I think I got it wrong. So to discuss Twitter for your PR strategy, I'm joined by Inspector Antoinette Cunningham, who is General Secretary of the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors. In 2018, Antoinette made Irish policing history by becoming its first female full-time official in a Garda representative association. On her way to achieving that career-defining milestone, Antoinette has also achieved other records for equality, having been the first woman to serve at every level of the association at branch, national executive, president and deputy general secretary. She joined in Garda Shikana three decades ago and served in Killarney, Roxborough Road and Maristone Garda stations and worked as a training sergeant in the Garda College for 10 years. 
Antoinette is the holder of a master's degree in adult learning and education from NUI Galway and has a large number of other academic and professional qualifications. And earlier this year, she was awarded an alumni award from NUI Galway for her contribution to policing the pandemic. Antoinette, thank you so much for joining me on the Public Sector Marketing Show. Sure. It's great to be here. So listen, tell us about the work of the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors. Well, we are an association, as you say, a trade union of sorts that represents almost two and a half thousand middle-ranking sergeants and inspectors from all over Ireland in our association. And I suppose our function is to progress matters relating to their pay, welfare, working conditions and rostering and other such arrangements. And so why is Twitter an important platform for AGSI's work then? Well, Twitter is actually a huge platform. I mean, first of all, uh, in my role as General Secretary, I suppose I use it as a platform to communicate issues relating matters relating to issues that government are talking about. For instance, uh, there's no more hot topic at the moment than public sector pay. And sometimes I might see something on Twitter and I'll use it to challenge. I suppose it's also a communication method for us and a very fast and efficient way of communicating out eggsy issues. Uh, as you know, it's, it's a platform, a communication platform that's frequented by journalists. So I suppose if we're advocating on something, we use it as, as a platform as well to raise issues that we have. And it does get a lot of attention. And like one observation that I would make is while Agsy is active on Twitter, it's when you speak and you use your own account to advocate for your members that can often get more traction. So you kind of have that role as driving your work through Twitter through your personal account as well, right? Yeah, sure. I have my own personal Twitter account. And it's funny because my account has actually more followers than the, Twitter, the Agsy Twitter account, which in a way uh, I'm quite surprised about. But I suppose I have to be very careful and, and I do find that I have to limit my own opinions on my own account uh, because it is followed by so many people and because I am the General Secretary of AGSI. For instance, I, I can't get drawn into political debate uh, as much as I would like to at times because the Garda organisation, as you know, is supposed to be apolitical. So I do find myself at times quite restrained in my own commentary and things that I would like to engage in by virtue of the job that I do. So although it is my own account, uh, if I say anything that contradicts the Garda position, for example, uh, I could get into difficulty with that. So I do have to be mindful of what I say on it. And let's remind the viewers and the listeners that you still are a Garda inspector within and Garda Siakana. So, you know, that role in itself is, is an important role. It's a high profile role. You've got a high profile role in AXI. But do you believe, given your experience on Twitter, that other public figures in government and public sector and in politics should be using Twitter to communicate their work in the public interest? Oh, I absolutely do, Joanna. And as you rightly say, first and foremost, I am a member of a Garda Siakana inspector rank. I am attached to Garda headquarters, but seconded over on a full-time role to be the General Secretary of AGSI. I think Twitter is a huge platform for leaders, for company CEOs, for politicians, for people like me who hold senior positions in jobs, businesses, uh, cultural um you know, committees, anything at all, because it gets the message of who you are and what you do and what your company does, what you're what you do as a politician. But I would say that you do need to make your 
profile as public as you can, have a good picture, have your company logo, make sure that people trust that it is your Twitter account and not some fake Twitter account that's out there because there is a lot of challenges on Twitter as well, as you know. Um, but I think, yes, for leaders, for company CEOs, for business people, for small industry, public and private forums, I think it's an excellent platform. It's a huge communication platform. You make a really good point there about visibility and transparency because in the world of the internet and on Twitter in particular, you know, trying to dissect the truth from the fake news and the disinformation. So people showing up as themselves adds huge value to the work of their organization. And I think then this is why I invited you on the show. You're a great example of bringing that kind of trusted voice to the association. So within the organization, do do your own members value what you're doing on Twitter on their behalf? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Garda Info itself, which is the Garda Twitter account, as you know, has hundreds of thousands of followers. So that'll tell you the power of that platform. And I suppose they would often even lean on the associations to pass a message. Maybe that is a united message that's serving all our interests or indeed the public interest uh, for, for the greater good. So we would quite often retweet stuff from Garda Info to endorse their message. That can be anything from an operational requirement, such as a missing person, uh, a cry alert where maybe there's an urgent situation around children, some event that Garda Info might be promoting. And then people will know that we're actually endorsing the message of the Garda organization so that we're both collaborating on this to show a united front on something. You know what I mean? So the Garda organization itself has a massive Twitter following. And then, as I say, we are a branch of those anyway, even though we have our own independent association as the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors, but we are all wearing the blue uniform at the end of the day. So while you are engaged in social media for good, that is not what we can say for every Twitter user. And unfortunately, abuse on the platform is widespread and vitriol. Now, have you experienced a personal abuse on the Twitter platform? And if you have, how have you dealt with it? Yeah, well, I suppose I have, Joanne, and you're uh, right in what you say. You know, it, uh, there is a lot of, on Twitter, anonymous accounts, sometimes fake accounts set up for the purposes of impersonating others. Uh, we had a recent experience of that in AGSI. We had to make a report to Twitter. We were lucky we got a good outcome. I, I think there's more that Twitter can do itself about making sure that public profiles are, are there, that people's pictures are validated, maybe more checks and balances before somebody is allowed to open a Twitter account. Uh, regrettably, I have had personal experience of being abused on Twitter, uh, abused by an anonymous fake account, uh, which I had to take the unusual stance of reporting it to the Garda authorities and where it was looked into. I won't say any more, jo Joanne, about it for operational reasons, but uh, yes, I can certainly empathise and sympathise with people when I see them being targeted on Twitter, when the, I see them being abused, uh, vitriol directed at them, and I certainly have been a victim of that, I suppose, I've been around the Garda organization a long time, have developed a certain resilience. Uh, when you're in the public eye, you do have to develop a certain resilience from time to time. But sometimes it crosses that line and we all have a line uh, in us of what's acceptable or not acceptable to us. And certainly when something becomes personal or targets your family, then I think it's crossing into a very dangerous and unacceptable line. So the media, about 96, 97% of the country's media and journalists are active on Twitter. Does that give you leverage to kind of amplify the traditional PR activity that you're engaged in? 
Yeah, well, of course it does, because, you know, traditionally, years ago, we would have had to issue a press release and we would have had to get it out in the traditional methodology through all the media outlets, wait for them to pick it up. I find now sometimes if I tweet something from my own account or the AGSI account, I get an almost within three minutes instantaneous response. Uh, I'll be getting calls from journalists asking us to make comments or to issue a statement on it. So I think there's massive leverage there. And that's why I think for companies and individuals who want to use Twitter, uh, it's an excellent communication. It's fast. It's efficient. It's national and international, as you know. So you put up a tweet there and it reaches out to millions and millions and millions of people uh, within seconds. And so I can cross countries to other police forces. I can cross borders. Uh, there's no limitations on who the audience reaches. So it's a fantastic communication methodology. And as I said, uh, definitely I have put up tweets and I've had almost an instantaneous response from journalists on the platform. Are there times when Twitter is the wrong channel to use for communications? Oh, absolutely. I mean, one thing that we would be uh, very careful about in AGSI is putting up stuff about individuals that could be identified. Uh, we would rarely comment on operational matters. There's a lot of high profile incidents, obviously, as you can appreciate before the courts, whether they're the criminal courts of justice, national or international crime. Uh, we would very, very seldom comment on operational police matters, Joanne. I think it would be wholly and totally inappropriate to get drawn into online conversations about something that's before the courts, for example, that could ultimately end up damaging an operational case or uh, passing judgment on something that a court has to judge upon. So it can be the wrong forum. And that's why you have to consider very carefully before you press that blue button and put something out there that you're absolutely sure it is what you can say and that you want to stand over it, you know. So you've developed what I call a Twitter instinct right now, and you, you're very intuitive and discerning about what you put out, when you put it out, and what not to talk about on the platform. And more and more organizations are looking to their senior leaders, and there's almost like an expectation that they have a Twitter profile or they will be willing to tweet when in a position. But people are so nervous, and I understand why, but... Given your experience of many years and using Twitter very well and very effectively, what advice would you give to your public sector peers who would really like to um, improve their Twitter use? Yeah, I think the first of all is, to, as I said, have a good profile, have an interesting profile, make sure your company logo or your picture is up, be identifiable, and that will uh, make people trust you more. I think if, if you don't steer outside your organization's message too far, then you're not going to go too far wrong. I would say don't personalize things on Twitter. You know, don't, if, if you want to raise an issue, raise the issue, but not the person. Uh, and, and that will give you more credibility. Uh, of course, you can have lighthearted fun on there too, like my own Twitter account. It's not all guard of business. Sometimes I might be just uh, out in the garden and I might tweet something random. Uh, I might tweet a book that I'm reading. So it's, it doesn't all have to be about business either. There can be a lighthearted side to it as well. You know, and people are equally interested in your, private life as they are your public life, but only share what's appropriate to share. Don't cross into any territory that you're unsure of. If you're not sure, it's better not to tweet. Yeah, if in doubt, leave it out, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, I also see you interacting really well, and you mentioned it earlier, with a police forces and other representative organization. Is that kind of cross-country, cross-continent collaboration and networking important in the public interest and for people to to view that relationship publicly 
It really is, Joanne. And, you know, we always regard police forces all over the world as having similar type issues and similar type pro problems. Our bonds with our colleagues are very, very strong. Our bonds with our colleagues in the North, in the Police Federation of Northern Ireland, in the Scottish Police Federation, the British Transport Police, the London Met, across to Boston, across all police forces. We're involved in Eurocop, as you know, which is collaboration of all the police forces across Europe. And traditionally, for example, if something happened maybe in Scotland or in the North, if a colleague was injured, I'd be writing a letter expressing our collegiality and friendship. Now I can go on to Twitter. I can uh, tag our, our friends in all police forces all over Europe. I can send a message of collegiality, a message of sympathy if somebody dies, uh, an endorsement for something they might be advocating for, and it'll reach out to police forces all over Europe within two minutes. And it's a fantastic way then. Of course, they have their own Twitter accounts. So I'll pick up on them and I'll retweet their issues to show similarity between them and us. But certainly for messages of collegiality, for messages of support, to highlight issues that are the same with police forces all over the world, it's an absolutely excellent platform. And as I said, that instantaneous message goes out there for everybody to see. If my colleagues in the Police Federation of Northern Ireland are tweeting about officers injured in Belfast, in some operational thing, they will know it in seconds that there's a message of friendship and collegiality from the Association of Guard Sergeants and Inspectors, and it's a great forum for that, you know. So you, you mentioned earlier that um, you are restricted because of your job. Um, and But I'm, I'm not sure that that's a problem for you. I think that you've got a great understanding of how you're using it right now, but again, suffice to say wherever your career might uh, end up your twitter account will come with you right because you own that account yeah i do i own my own personal account my own personal account is at ento abs uh, and that's my own twitter account and of course it'll come with me uh, and I, I probably am restrained in my opinions uh, I, I probably would be far more opinionated were it not for the restrictions that i have in relation to my job there's certainly matters of public debate that come up from time to time that I would say things about were I not restrained. But look, you have to respect the job that you're in. I have to respect the, the operational and uh, role that I have. And most of all, I have to respect the Garda organization because that is the job that I do at this present time. Uh, who knows in the future, uh, I can retire this year, whether I do retire or not remains to be seen. Uh, but certainly if I do go into something else, I probably would be far more opinionated than I am currently. I just think that's a lovely point and I really appreciate you being so open in making that point because it's not a negative thing that you're restrained it's a respect thing and it's respecting the the people that you work with it's respecting Twitter as a channel and as you said earlier play the ball don't play the man or the oh, yeah. woman play the issue not the person so um Antoinette thank you so much for joining me on the public sector marketing show and people should definitely go and follow you and even as a case study in best practice and to learn from you, it's at Antoabs and I'll link it in the show notes. But um, thanks a million for joining me. Thanks very much. Take care. Level up your digital skills by taking our diploma in digital marketing, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code DIGITALMARKETING20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. Thanks as always for tuning in to the Public Sector Marketing Show. This week's resource is a reminder that our next free webinar is indeed podcasting for public sector. It is growing in demand in your sector, and I'm seeing more and more podcasts 
pop up on my Spotify feed. And as always, please share the Public Sector Marketing Show with a pro that you know. They will thank you for it. And I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform.